This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. Kamel King is on assignment. As we do every Friday, we'll be traveling across the state letting you know about people, places, and events that make Mississippi a unique and fascinating place to live. Today, we dedicate our entire show to the 2018 Mississippi Book Festival, which takes place tomorrow at the Mississippi State Capitol. We'll speak with authors Angie Thomas and Mary Miller. Then we'll chat with artist and illustrator Ginger Williams-Cook. We'll end the show with blues music scholar and author Scott Beretta. Don't go far because it's going to get lit here on Next Stop Mississippi. If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with MississippiToday.org. My co-host, Kamel King, is on assignment, but we're going to continue as we do every Friday, traveling across the state, letting you know about extraordinary Mississippians and one-of-a-kind events. And boy, do we have one of those to share with you today. Today's show is dedicated entirely to the 2018 Mississippi Book Festival, which takes place tomorrow from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Mississippi State Capitol. That's right, that capital, your capital in downtown Jackson. There will be over 240 authors, 40 panel discussions, live interviews, book signings, capital tours, food trucks, all free and open to the public. A great celebration of Mississippi literary legacy and all of our wonderful current writers from Mississippi. Again, that's happening all day tomorrow at the Mississippi State Capitol, and you can find out more easily at msbookfest.com or just Google Mississippi Book Festival and you'll see everything that's happening. It's been a great week so far as we have been leading into the Mississippi Book Festival. I had a wonderful time last night at the official kickoff party for the book festival at Fisher Galleries in downtown Jackson in the old Dickies factory building, just this fantastic building with these big floor-to-ceiling windows, a beautiful exhibit featuring artwork from Glenn Ray Tudor, Key Francis, Noah Satterstrom, a really incredible event. I had a wonderful time running into old friends, hearing some Great music by Tommy Brian Ledford and Valley Hildebrand. Just a really good way to get the weekend started. So fourth annual Mississippi Book Festival happening really all weekend long. No no reason not to get involved. So if you don't have anything happening in Mississippi or in your hometown, rather, uh, you should make your way to Jackson for sure. But, hey, we are talking all about the Mississippi Book Festival today. And we want to know what panels, what lectures, what events you're most excited about. So give us a call. That number is one 672 7464 1877 mpb ring We'd love to hear from you. 
Now, our first guest for the show today is just one of my favorites. I've been having a fangirl moment all morning. Uh, We want to welcome to the show Angie Thomas. She's one of the featured authors at this year's Literary Lawn Party, the Mississippi Book Festival. Hi, Angie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is just really uh, such an honor to talk to you today. And I know you have so much going on this weekend, so we appreciate you making time to be with us on Next Stop Mississippi. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, Angie, you are a native Mississippian. You're you're local to Jackson. Talk a little bit about your your roots as a writer in Mississippi. Did you really kind of know about Mississippi's literary legacy as a as a young girl growing up in Jackson? I did, actually. My grandfather grew up with Richard Wright, and so I heard stories of them as kids, and then he would say, yeah, and he went on to become a writer, and he made it like it wasn't a huge deal, <laughs> but as I, got, as I got older, I was like, whoa, you were friends with Richard Wright, so that, that was something I grew up knowing, um, and then, too, being in Mississippi, you know, you know about Eudora Welty, you hear about Faulkner, all of these authors, but I will say, too, for me, as a young Mississippian, um, specifically as a young black girl in the hood, there were times where I was like, I would see these literary heroes, and I, I was—I didn't think it was something that it was possible for me to do because I didn't identify. I often say they—I'm sorry—I often say that they were either old, white, or dead, and I was neither of those things. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So, but I—the his to know that I now have a book that maybe one day, or I have a career, and maybe one day, young Mississippians will look back and say. She was like me. I could do this, too. That's phenomenal. So I'm thankful for the legacy that was placed before me, and I hope I can leave one as well. That's incredible. It's such a powerful way to frame your life as a Mississippian, particularly in in Metro Jackson and and as an author now. You know, I I have to say your debut novel, The Hate You Give, uh, came out, um, I I believe this is your uh, week 76 as a number one bestseller. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's remarkable. It's, it's been amazing. It 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 came out in February of last year, and it hasn't left the list since the New York Times list. So, I'm I'm extremely extremely humbled and honored. Well, it's a it's a wonderful read. I, I read it about a year ago and have passed my book around. I was like scrambling around the house today, like who has my copy? Um, but it, it's it's amazing. So yes, just one week after the novel came out, you hit the number one bestseller list with the New York Times, and like you said, you just haven't left. You've gotten multiple awards, but I, I want to talk really more so with you today about um, about this story. You made a remark earlier that reminds me so much of, of Star, your main character in The Hate You Give. And you talk about uh, kind of her um, and the characters in this book really being a mirror for young people across across the country. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In children's literature, um, a, a, a woman by the name of Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop once said that books for kids are either mirrors, windows, or sliding glass doors. And I think that is extremely important, and I think every single one of those is just as important. Um, I want my books to be mirrors for so many kids who so often don't see themselves in books. Um, Numbers show that in 2015, I want to say, there were more books written with dogs and trucks as the main characters than black kids. And that's problematic, you know. So I want to make sure that those kids 
get to see themselves in books. But I also want to make sure that kids who aren't like Star, um, who aren't like the characters in my book, get a window into their world. Um, I often say that empathy is more powerful than sympathy, and I think that books are one of the greatest ways to build empathy in kids, um, to build empathy in people, period. Because if you put yourself in the shoes of a character for hundreds of pages, um, 400 pages in the case of the hate you give, I would like to think that you'd walk away understanding that person more and understanding people like them a little more. So I definitely strive for my books to be mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors. That's uh, really incredible. Now, empathy is just one of my favorite words and one of my favorite things to think about. Um, And you're creating empathy, particularly around the Black Lives Matter movement, systemic racism, police brutality. Talk a little bit about how you got to this theme for this debut, debut novel. Well, I always like to point out first that the hate you give is not anti-police. It's anti-police brutality. There is a huge difference. And as someone who has law enforcement in my family, that was important for me to um, get across. I first got the idea for the novel when I was at Bellhaven. I attended um, Bellhaven in the creative writing program. And I was I was the first black student to graduate from the program, actually. And that's just because the program was young, you know. But um, being the first black student, a lot of times, and the only black student, my experiences were so different at times from my classmates. And I often thought I had to change who I was, where I was. I often tell people I was very careful of how I spoke. And I would basically leave my house playing Tupac. Um, and by the time I got to Bellhaven, I was listening to the Jonas Brothers. Uh, <laughs> is that true? That's funny. That's so true. It is so true. Um, and so, but it was a whole different world because I grew up in Georgetown here in Jackson, um, which is in West Jackson, and it's always in the news for the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Um, but while I was in school, a young man named Oscar Grant lost his life in Oakland, California, um, and his death was caught on tape, and it showed Oscar lying flat on his stomach on the ground, and a police officer shot him in the back, and the officer was not charged. And it led to a lot of riots and protests in Oakland, but it also led to conversations here in Mississippi, specifically in my neighborhood and at Bellhaven. Um, at my, in my neighborhood, Oscar was one of us. He was an ex-con who was trying to turn his life around, mm-hmm. and and I knew guys just like him. I grew up with them. But at my school, I will be honest, I had classmates who didn't understand the anger. Um, they were like, you know, he was an ex-con. Why are people so upset? Um, they they found ways to justify what happened to him. And in my anger and frustration and hurt, I wrote a short story about a boy named Khalil who was a lot like Oscar and a girl named Star who lived in these two worlds like I did. And that's essentially how The Hate You Give was born. Um, and when I decided to turn it into a novel, well, a professor at Bellhaven encouraged me to do that. Um, the Howard Barr, who is an author himself, shout out to Uncle Howard, as I call him. <laughs> um, but he encouraged me to turn it into a novel. Um, but at first, it was too emotionally taxing to even consider. But then Trayvon Martin happened, Michael Brown happened, Tamir Rice happened, and all of a sudden I'm hearing these same conversations that were in my neighborhood and in my school, but on a much wider scale. Um, And then I'm hearing kids in my neighborhood who are distraught every time Trayvon Martin is called a thug because for them it's like they're being called one. Sure. Um, And and I didn't know what to do, so I wrote. Wow. And I wrote this short story. uh, I turned that short story into a novel. 
And that's essentially how the hate you give was born. But I do, like I said, I like to point out that it is not anti-police. It's anti-police brutality. Star's uncle in the book is a cop, a wonderful cop. And he's my dedication to the law enforcement officers in my family, Um, specifically the black officers who often say that, well, inside of the uniform, so many people see me as a sellout. Outside of the uniform, there are people who still consider me a suspect. So I, I definitely made that character and um, homage of them. Wow. Talk about really complicated characters, complicated life situations. And and you really do. I mean, um, as a, of course, a fan, I mean, you know, outright, uh, I think you make that very clear uh, in the novel. And uh, and it's really, you know, it's a very serious um, book, but it's a lot of fun to read as well. You like really bring to life the, the lifestyle of like a teenage girl and her parents are young and cool and they listen to great music. And of course, Tupac is a central thread throughout this novel and any one of our era has like a very genuine like relationship with Tupac's music so I just um, it's it's unlike anything I read it's such a pleasure to have you on the show I want to ask you you know you are so busy. You you travel all the time. <laughs> the Hate You Give is coming out in October as a major motion picture. That this is huge. It's just incredible what's happened in your life in the in the last several years. But you also speak to a lot of different groups. Uh, over the weekend at the Mississippi Book Festival, you're giving what they call the kid note, the keynote for mm-hmm. young readers. You also talk with educators. The Hate You Give is required reading in a lot of classrooms now. You talk yeah. to fans activists of all of these groups i mean do you have an affinity for speaking with one particular kind of reader or type of person what really inspires you or turns you on um you know my the best part for me is when i have kids who tell me i hate reading but i read this in a day wow (laughs) (laughs) i was in um philly once and this young boy with the sagging pants, he comes up to me, and he's like, yo, ma. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> he's like, yo, I hate reading, but I read this in a day. This is dope. And that's what, that's, what, that's what keeps me going. It's those kids who are often called reluctant readers. I think that there's no such thing as a reluctant reader. They're just kids who haven't been introduced to books that they connect with. Um, and if I can do that for so many, if I can do that for young people, that's amazing to me. Um, and, and when I get into conversations with them about it, they're like, I love this, I love that. Then I, it, it allows me to kind of make that the gateway because I say, okay, so since you love this about my book, why don't you check out this book? And they will, and they'll like email me or message me on Instagram. They're like, I read that too, I loved it too. And all of a sudden I feel like I've hooked that kid on reading. And if that's all I ever do in life, that's totally fine with me. It's it's the best feeling in the world. So I love talking with kids, and I love talking with kids here in Mississippi especially um, because so many young people here, um, through my book, they feel seen, and that's incredible. You know, the hate you give is not, there's not a city or state mentioned, but when I tell you that all these kids in Jackson have said, that's Lanier, isn't it? That's Callaway, that's, um, or that's um, St. Andrew, that's Jackson Academy, that's Jackson Prep, isn't it? You know what? I let them all think it is because it keeps them. <laughs> that's right. That's your. That's the beauty of books. Your own interpretation, right? Exactly. Exactly. I just let them assume that. But to know that kids here in Mississippi are picking it up and they see themselves in so many ways, I absolutely love that. So those are my favorite interactions by far.
Well, so fun to talk to you today, Angie Thomas. Uh, could spend the rest of the hour with you, but we do have a, a full show and a lot of other great authors to feature. Now, Angie Thomas, you will be, again, the featured Kid Note speaker tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m. in the Galloway Sanctuary uh, as part of the Mississippi Book Festival. You're also on the panel for Hope Nation and other four-letter words at 10.45 a.m. in Galloway Sanctuary. And you'll be signing books at 1215 on the Capitol lawn. Um, Angie, we know that you've got another novel coming up on the come up. So we want to have you back soon to hear more about this novel. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone can make it out tomorrow and show show everybody that Mississippi does read. That's right. Mississippi does read. And we have very current authors you know we're not all kind of you know historic literary legends we've got all these incredible young rising authors like you angie thomas on that list so thank you so much for being here today thank you again for having me really exciting all right it's time for another break but we've got a little question for you do you know which two mississippi authors will be honored tomorrow morning during the unveiling of the first of mississippi of the mississippi writers trail markers We'll tell you that answer when we return. Plus, we'll speak with author Mary Miller. We're going to go out with some special Aretha Franklin this afternoon, a great song for Angie Thomas and a great tribute to this wonderful soul singer. This is Respect. MPBOnline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at MPBOnline.org. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with MississippiToday.org. Kamel King is on assignment. I have a huge smile on my face because of this Aretha Franklin. Michelle is going to carry us through the hour with lots of Aretha tributes. I know that everyone out there has a very special Aretha song, maybe a few of them. And we're going to share some of those today. So that makes me so happy. Now, before the break, we asked you, do you know which two Mississippi authors will be honored in the unveiling of the first Mississippi Writers Trail markers? The answer is Eudora Welty and Jasmine Ward. So exciting. I love this, um, the fact that we're honoring, you know, Eudora Welty, of course, everybody's kind of favorite Mississippi author, but also Jasmine Ward, another young, rising, incredible Mississippi author uh, from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, just an incredible Incredible talent who will also be at the Mississippi Book Festival tomorrow. So uh, come on out. It's it's really the the day to be um, on the Mississippi Capitol, your capital. And that's one thing I love about the Mississippi Book Festival is 
uh, it gives you this really great excuse to just kind of wander around the Capitol building. You know, there's not the legislature's not in session. There's not a whole lot of business taking place uh, except literary business. And that's kind of the fun business we're interested in here on Next Stop Mississippi. Now, I'll tell you, uh, welcoming to the show now is another great author, Jackson native Mary Miller. Hi, Mary. How are you? Hey, Mary Margaret. So good to have you on Next Stop Mississippi this morning, Mary. Uh, you are the author of, of several books, your most recent Always Happy Hour, as well as Big World and the novel The Last Days of California. Uh, Mary, I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting you many years ago when you were in graduate school for creative writing. And here you are now, really among literary greats as part of the 2018 Mississippi Book Festival. Tell us what it's like to kind of come back to your hometown and be part of an event like this. Well, this is um, my fourth year. So the festival, this is its fourth year. And I've somehow been fortunate enough to luck into going every year and being a part of it. So I'm thrilled to be back for my fourth year. And yeah, I'm moderating this this panel with three of my favorite writers. So, yeah, it's just, it's it's wonderful. Now, the, the panel you're moderating tomorrow is called Southern Fiction and Redemption. Talk a little bit about who's going to be with you on that panel and what sort of things you guys are going to discuss. So, we have Jonathan Miles and his new novel, Anatomy of a Miracle, and it has a really long subtitle, like The True Story of a Paralyzed Veteran, a Mississippi Convenience Store, a Vatican Investigation, and the Spectacular Perils of Grace. <laughs> and then we wow. have Michael Ferris Smith, The Fighter. Um, so all three of these are novels. And then Jamie Quattro's Fire Sermon. And they're all really different. Um, I mean, the books are very different, the voices are very different, the structures, but they all do sort of, all of the characters are struggling, um, you know, often it's literally with, with sort of God or what they consider evil. There's a lot of a lot of God and religion in these stories, which is sort of nice and surprising, and, and novels I, I don't usually read about religion much. Um, so some of them, like Michael Ferris Smith's Smith's book is not, it's not that overt. But we'll be talking just about the struggles the characters are facing and how they're overcoming their obstacles, um, whether they find redemption in the end. Um, It's really a cool theme, and I've never seen it at the book festival before. Well, you know, I think a lot of us who are interested in Southern literature generally love this idea of redemption, and uh, we see that uh, throughout, you know, kind of the Southern canon, but uh, really should be a a very interesting conversation. Now, you're kind of um, the leading lady in a boys' club of writers. What's that like? Um, So I'm I'm very pleased that Jamie Quattro is a woman, and she's She'll be on the panel with me. So this year, it's, you know, we're 50-50. But in years past, I have found myself often on panels, usually the only woman, and I'm sort of perplexed by it because, I mean, you know, other panels have have women on them. (laughs) And I'm like, why am I with all these dudes again? And it just happens that way. And Michael Ferris Smith, for some reason, we are always on the same panel, which is great because Michael's funny and he's casual and he's always good for, you know, sort of bring the mood, lighten the mood. 
Um, but yeah, I, I wonder that, and I wonder, um, <laughs> wonder who's behind this sometimes. <laughs> That's really great. Well, well, we should note that um, your books, uh, your short stories, often uh, come from the voice of a very strong female lead. So let's talk a little bit about Always Happy Hour. I've I've got a copy right here with me, and uh, there's this uh, image on the front cover of a, a beautiful woman in the bathtub eating Chinese takeout, and Mary, she looks a lot like you. <laughs> she does. So it's a painting um, by a New York City artist named Lee Price, and it doesn't really look like a painting. It looks like this woman, um, she paints self-portraits. And um, so I've gotten that a lot. My cousin told me, he was like, well, I didn't want to read it because you're naked in the bathtub on the cover. And I'm like, <laughs> well, first of all, you can't see anything. You know, and second of all, yeah, it's not me and it's a painting. Um, but she's she's amazing. I actually bought, I couldn't afford the actual painting, but she had a limited series of prints that I purchased one and it's hanging on my wall. And it's really beautiful. Um yeah, it's it's super beautiful. And, and yeah, I'm with your cousin. I mean, it really does kind of look like a Mary Miller in the nude, but in a very classy, tasteful way. Yeah, um, yeah. Mary, you dedicate Always Happy Hour to your exes, which just like makes me smile so big. A lot of these stories are about ex-lovers and men. Um, how did this concept for Always Happy Hour develop? You know, I don't know how I came up with that dedication. I think it's I like to use a lot of humor in my writing, and I think I just, I was looking for a dedication, and sometimes I'm scouting around for an epigraph or, and you know, writing the acknowledgments, which I just did this week for my no- novel that will be out next summer. But I don't know. I think I like to try to be funny or provocative, and I just thought it would be cute. And a lot of the stories in there, you know, the narrators are sort of struggling with um, unhappy relationships, or they're thinking about exes, or you know, they're divorced. So a lot of them are single and sort of, you know, struggling as far as the, the whole love thing. Not very lucky in love, these ladies. Um, well, that that's true. And, and that's really, I think, what, what makes it so kind of a page turner. You really kind of want to know what's, what's coming next for um for this woman. But, you know, at Always Happy Hour, I've, I've again, I keep saying this, I'm like a huge fan of paperbacks because it like allows me to to share, <laughs> to yes. let people borrow my books. Um, but with this one, everyone I lend it to, I say, you know, this is a pretty sexy book. It's it's pretty <laughs> hot. So like, just get ready, like have your fan nearby. Um have you gotten much feedback on just really kind of how um, how racy and sexy and honest and raw it is? Well, you know, I don't um, <laughs> I don't think it's sexy at all. Um, I think it's mostly sort of like I mean, the exact opposite of sexy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it is. I feel like I I don't want to write anything, um, no matter whose perspective it's from or what the character is. It isn't fully honest and doesn't sort of fully try to capture that person's experience. And, you know, I write literary fiction, so people, you know, they have sex, um, they have romance, they, you know, they, they have struggles. They, so I just try to include all of that. And I, there was something really funny. Um, a reviewer for my novel, The Last Days of California, noted that, I mean, so embarrassingly, that the characters spent more time in bathrooms than any modern novel that she had ever read or any novel she'd ever read, period. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, my characters have to go to the bathroom. You know, they have to eat. What's for lunch? <laughs> um, so, it's, yeah, very boring, but I do sort of, yeah, 
Well, I and know when the character's eating. Absolutely, absolutely. You have one line that, you, of course, resonated with me, a, a woman looking closer to 40 than to 30, about how um, the, one of the character's mothers tells her she's too old to go out fresh-faced anymore. She needs a little makeup, and it's just yeah. so real, so real. Now, Mary, it, you... you the struggle is real. <laughs> you gave us a little bit of a tease about what you've got coming soon. Can you tell us a little more about your next novel? So the novel I have coming out next summer, um, we've been going back and forth with the title, but we've settled on Biloxi, and it's set on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And it's from an older man's point of view, uh, not older, but he's 63, and his wife has left him, and um, he's retired because his father's died, and he thinks he has a big inheritance coming. And I'm really not good with a synopsis. But anyway, he adopts a dog sort of randomly, and... and um, I don't know. He, he thought kind of his life was finished. He didn't know where he was going. And this dog really brings him back into the world. And they start exploring, you know, the beaches and the dog parks and, and thinking about traveling and going places. And yeah, the dog sort of, I don't know. I love a dog book and I love my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's going to yeah. resonate with a lot of folks. Well, yeah, there's a dog on the cover. <laughs> we just got the cover and, um, yeah, my editor's really cool. We can't go too Marley and me with it. You know, we can't have a dog <laughs> title and a dog on the cover. And we've got to, you know, moderate that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's really cute. Um, the cover's really cute. And, yeah, I'm excited about it. Just doing edits right now and kind of finishing up. Well, congratulations, Mary Miller. We're so pleased to have you here on Next Stop Mississippi with this morning. Mary Miller will be leading the panel, Southern Fiction and Redemption, tomorrow, 1045 a.m. in the Galloway Foundry in downtown Jackson. That's right there by the Mississippi State Capitol. She'll also be signing books at 945 a.m. Mary, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. It was great. All right, we're going to take another quick break, but when we return, we'll welcome to the show illustrator Ginger Williams-Cook. She's in studio. But first, what Mississippi author is one of the best-known Southern Gothic writers? You'll find out when we return, so stay tuned. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Michelle is taking us out with another great Aretha Franklin tune. This is Think. This one's for you, Mary Miller. You're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio.
This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with MississippiToday.org. Really grateful to be here today with our MPB listeners celebrating the life of Aretha Franklin, who has Mississippi roots. We'll talk more about that with Scott Beretta, our last guest on the show today. Now, if you're just joining us, it's all about the 2018 Mississippi Book Festival. So far, we've spoken with authors Angie Thomas and Mary Miller. And before we bring on our next guest before the break, we asked you, um, do you know who is one of the best-known Southern Gothic writers of Mississippi? And now, this is an arguable answer, but hey, it's Barry Hanna, one of the t- best Southern Gothic writers of the 21st century and just a legend, um, just absolutely. I'm sure Mary Miller and Angie Thomas both have read a lot of Barry Hanna. All right, now, welcoming to the show in studio, our next guest illustrator and artist, Ginger Williams-Cook. So good to have you here today. I'm so glad to be here today. It has been such a pleasure. Uh, Ginger's been sitting in on some of the interviews this morning, and we've just got a really happy thing happening in the studio today. Now, Ginger, you are part of, um, of the Mississippi Book Festival this weekend. Uh, really celebrating this beautiful collection that you put together, I believe, earlier this year? Yes, in March. In March of, of 2018, The Artful Evolution of Helen Mouse. Tell our listeners a little bit about this book. This book is um, a collaboration with Malcolm White um, and myself about a story about family, about, um, you know, Mississippi roots in, in different uh, regions of the state that Malcolm um, grew up with his brother and, and this sort of concept and dream of starting a restaurant together and um, really putting down roots in Jackson, Mississippi and um, becoming such an important part of so many people's lives and my life. And, um, you know, it's been such an honor to illustrate this family story and legacy and and current, um, you know, fun place to go and and enjoy um, having food and drinks at Helen Mouse. Well, you know, this this book is, like you said, it's about the the family and, and kind of the evolution of this institution, this Mississippi institution that we know of as Helen Mouse. Where I, I must note, the Willie Morris after party of the book festival will take place uh, Saturday night at seven. So it, it's it's a it's it's a story. It's a, it's about the words and it's about the stories here. But your illustrations are such a central element of this piece of work. And Ginger, I want to ask you as you kind of open the book and and you start out with the the early years and and the the early stories. A lot of your sketches are in black and white. And then we really move into a lot of more color sketches and, and paintings and just incredible renderings of these characters. Talk a little bit about how you approach these stories and, and was it in sort of a um, chronological way? Well, it was a really organic um, evolution uh, that uh, Malcolm is such a magnetic storyteller and um, the project began from sketches in the restaurant and the connections made from the images that I drew. I drew the main bar with these 
light fixtures above the bar. And Malcolm approached me and said, do you know those used to be in a restaurant on Highway 80 called the Green Derby? Hmm. And I used to go to that restaurant with my grandparents. And so I made this, you know, this very vivid memory uh, connection. And it turned out every single corner had some kind of memorabilia that connected other people's lives. And so that's it sort of became, you know, stitching together. And so Malcolm's concept was to write a series of vignettes um, that would weave itself through the restaurant and through the um, images on the wall in the main office. A lot of the black and white imagery is um, from actual clippings that are on the wall. Um, the concept for their first logo um, pre-Photoshop days was a silhouette uh, taken in a Polaroid and cut out and taped on a piece of paper. Wow. That was probably one of my favorite illustrations to do. Um, so there's just such rich um, you know, storytelling in it, which is part of our fabric as Mississippians to tell these rich stories and to make these connections and to, to know who, who your mama is and your cousins and, and kind of like tell about where you're from in the small town. And, and so um, Malcolm manages to do that with um, such warmth and, um, you know, vivid memories. Absolutely. And, and that warmth really comes across in your illustrations. I mean, let's talk a little bit about sort of the creative process and really kind of the ultimate responsibility of illustrating someone's someone else's life, someone else's very personal stories. Well, I think that being so familiar with the restaurant um, is so important because um, when I'm emotionally invested or connected, um, that comes across in my paint and comes across in my lines that I draw. And one of my favorite things that I noticed about doing the illustrations of the restaurant was that when you're in Howland Mouse, you don't know if it's day or night. And there are wonderful um, neon lights that that cast um, different uh, colors around the in in uh, Howlin Mouse almost has its own patina, mm. and so I thought that that came across well with watercolor and gouache to kind of create these colors that that blended together and um, that still allows playfulness from an artistic approach, but then also captures a lot of details because there's a lot of visual information to to take in from Elvis on the wall to old. Um, St. Patty's Day float pieces and flags and trophies and it's just a lot it's just fun and and it's and it's years and a lot of love that's come into that place that's made it the way it is now. As you were preparing uh, these uh, these paintings of of the actual restaurant, did you find yourself spending a lot of time there? I did, and it was funny because my favorite day was when I got to sample all of the dishes that would be co that were <laughs> being covered in the book, and um, I got a lot of looks at the lunch crowd that uh, didn't know if they thought I was some kind of Instagram food blogger or something because I was taking a lot of pictures of all of my food and um, doing quick sketches, and so it was kind of this line, you know, um, of 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 food that was coming out to this crazy lady with a camera and a, and a sketchbook. <laughs> they were all probably pretty envious of, right. <laughs> of your special treatment. Yes. Now, Ginger, you pointed out before we started the interview in, 
on the cover of the book is this uh, beautiful painting you did of the kind of the entrance to Hallamow's, the sort of the corridor as you walk into the restaurant. And there's a sign that reads, Welcome to Jackson, the Crossroads of the South. And you mentioned that phrase has really resonated with you throughout your book tour with Malcolm and the artful evolution of Hallamow's. Yes. Um, one thing that Malcolm and I both talked about is just being so grateful for the university press to um, do such a beautiful layout and a beautiful presentation um, that he and I, Malcolm and I discussed, like, there would be no way to decide on what would be the cover image. And so we're so glad that, that the press decided on that as the cover image is it's the first thing you see when you walk in the door and the welcome to Jackson, the crossroads of the South um, really stood out to me as being what Hal and Mouse has served to people in their lives over the years, um, crossing paths. Um, so many lives have intersected and, and, um, going through North Mississippi to South Mississippi, hearing stories from people say, Oh, I met my husband at Helen Mouse or, you know, um, I remember I saw my first concert there and, um, I saw my first concert there and my parents didn't know I was going to see this band. <laughs> so, you know, I have those memories and, and the more we share and the more we, we, we talk about this book, the more I hear people's personal connections and memories there. Um, and that was one thing that I was hesitant to do painting this beautiful crowded restaurant with these empty scenes, but it's been a way for people to sort of insert their own memories wow. into the space. And that, at least that's what I do because I remember going for my bachelorette party. We had a big group in the oyster bar. And when I look at that illustration, I see all of us just squealing and being silly and having a great time. Oh, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you allow the reader and, and the viewer to really insert themselves and uh, such a fun thing to do. And I think you make a really good point, Ginger, that, that this book really isn't just about um, Malcolm and Hal White. This book is about a lot of people who've come in uh, to this space and, and how we've all experienced that in one way or another. Now, tomorrow you will be on the panel Art for Art's Sake at 2.45 p.m. in the Galloway Fellowship Center. Now, this is the first year for an illustrator's panel. This is exciting. Um, I got to be part of it, uh, the book festival last year with the Mississippi Literary Map, and it was unveiled by the Librarian of Congress, and I just in the C-SPAN room, and I was so excited. And Ginger so, is, is the illustrator of the Mississippi Literary Map, a beautiful piece. So, thank yes. you. Yeah, so it's it's really great and um, uh, to, to be on this panel and to have um, several different um, people, Betsy Bradley, Bill Ferris, Glenn Ray Tudor, and um, Julian Rankin will be the moderator. Um, so I think it'll be a great conversation. Well, that's a, a another group of heavy hitters. Like the whole Mississippi Book Festival day is just like one heavy hitter after another. So really exciting. But I think it will be really nice, a nice way for a lot of readers, a lot of consumers of books to engage. I know that um, my home is filled with, with books of illustrations and photography, coffee table books, if you will. Uh, so it's nice to give, to give us folks um, who are interested in, in these pieces a little bit of an opportunity to engage with the artist. So best of luck to you, Ginger. Tell our Thank readers, our, our readers... Our readers and our listeners, yes. where they can go to um, learn more about you. Okay. Um, my website is gingerwilliamscook.com. And um, I also, I'm also very active on Instagram as well. 
Well, I wanted to shout out your Instagram. I wasn't sure if you wanted to go public with that, but it is such a fun visual way to follow you. So I do hope people will check you out there. Ginger, thank you for being in studio with us today. It's a pleasure to have you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. All right. It is time for our final break. But first, stay tuned for the answer with Scott Beretta. Answers about Aretha Franklin with Scott Beretta when we return. Don't go far. This is Next Stop Mississippi. anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to MPB Think Radio inside Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller flying solo today as Camille King is on assignment. The 2018 Mississippi Book Festival is this Saturday at the Mississippi State Capitol. So today we've had the pleasure to speak with a few authors and illustrators who will be part of the Literary Lawn Party happening all day Saturday. We spoke with author Angie Thomas, author Mary Miller. We just uh, had illustrator Ginger Williams-Cook in the studio. And now we welcome to the show our good friend, author, and journalist Scott Beretta. Hello, Scott. Hello, Mary Margaret. It's great to have you on the show today, Scott. You, too, are part of this weekend's Mississippi Book Festival. But before we get into the details of the panel that you're moderating about Mississippi music, I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about Aretha Franklin and her connection to Mississippi. We've been celebrating her today on Next Stop, and and you know a lot about her Mississippi roots. Well, uh, we a couple of years ago, you know, as one of Jim O'Neill and myself write and research all the Mississippi Blues Trail markers. And a couple of years ago, we put one up on the uh, trail in Cleveland at the uh, former church of her father, C.L. Franklin, who was born in Sunflower, Mississippi. And uh, he actually uh, did his first trial uh, sermon at this church in, uh, in Cleveland. And so on that marker, we, we discussed a bit about Aretha, uh, but more about the relationship between uh, gospel and the blues. And it's interesting to think about Aretha in, in, in terms of that. Of course, she's known more as a soul artist, so she recorded a lot of blues. But uh, Aretha, you know, of course, started out as a gospel artist and, and would return to the uh, genre uh, occasionally. And, but, you know, she didn't appear to have visited Mississippi too many times. So I did find out she was at the casinos in uh, uh, Robinsonville a couple times in the 2010s, uh, which 
I'm very sorry I missed it now. That's right. The whole the last couple of days listening to her music, which is just so majestic. Absolutely. Now, Scott, you're one of those folks that's really hard to introduce because you do a lot of things. You're you're the 2016 recipient of the Mississippi's Governor's Award for Excellence in the Arts. You're the host of Highway 61 here on MPB. You're also an instructor at the University of Mississippi and Delta State. I mean, the list goes on and on. But one of the things that we're really focusing on with, with you, Scott Beretta, this week is your role as a writer, as a journalist, as an author, and one of your most recent public publications, if you will, is is some uh, contributions you made to Voices of Mississippi, artists and musicians documented by William Ferris. I believe this will be part of your conversation Saturday as part of the Southern Music Panel uh, at the Mississippi Book Festival. Well, yes, it's an honor to um, be able to be on a panel with, with Bill, uh, who's a uh, I'm sort of a mentor of mine, not directly, but, you know, I, uh, being formerly the editor of Living Blues and hosting the radio show, uh, you know, Bill was one of, not the first uh, host of uh, Highway 61, but uh, he, he was the second very soon after it was uh, started. And, uh, and Bill also, I think, laid all the groundwork for the Mississippi Blues Trail and, and this sort of very positive uh, state recognition of of blues. Uh, but yeah, he's going to be on this panel. And um, actually, what's kind of funny is that it's the book festival, and Bill actually didn't write anything for, for the box set. Um, but, uh, you know, it's we were writing about him and, of course, quoting him. But I wrote a, about a 8,000 word um, biographic uh, piece on Bill and his relationship to Mississippi. And so you know, I want to talk about that, uh, you know, this, this idea of going back and sort of summarizing his career, at least part of it. Of course, you know, over the last couple of years, he's uh, published some books of his uh, uh, photography and um, other, other work that he's done, his uh, interviews with musicians. And so there's always going to be a lot to talk about with Bill. You know, but we want to, I think a lot of this uh, panel is about revisiting uh, material. Um, um, we also have Jim O'Neill, my partner on the uh, Mississippi Blues Trail and the founder of uh, Living Blues Magazine or co-founder of uh, Living Blues, talking about a new book on the University Press of Mississippi called Charlie Patton, Voice of the Mississippi Delta. And it's uh, the reissue of a pretty old book. Um, and it goes back to like 20, 30 years. Uh, but it's been updated. And so, you know, we want to talk to Jim about, you know, what do we – still have to say about Charlie Patton? Why, why are we continually wanting to return to him to talk about him? And, um, you know, how, what are we finding out about these people who died already in the 1920s or 30s? You know, it's pretty remarkable how we're still able to you know, find out new material about them. A lot of that has uh, to do with the new materials that have um, come available via the Internet, you know, or through, through scanning of old materials. Now, Scott, in addition to uh, Jim O'Neill and Bill Ferris on the panel, you've also got Robert Gordon joining you as well. Yeah, another good friend of mine. And uh, Robert's book is called Memphis Rent Party, The Blues, Rock, and Soul in Music's Hometown. And that collects essays that Robert wrote from the 80s into the 90s, I think sort of at the beginning of his um, writing career when he was getting established. 
as well as a couple of unpublished pieces, but it's not just sort of a dry collection of, you know, here's my old columns, but uh, Robert sort of painstakingly went back and uh, wrote new introductions to the pieces. He left the pieces intact, but he wrote uh, new introductions, which are sometimes longer than the pieces themselves, as well (laughs) as sort of postscripts. Uh, So he's uh, sort of standing back and looking at, what was going on at this point with this artist, you know, and writing about the writing, you know. So uh, I had the fortune of interviewing um, Robert at, at Lemuria uh, some months ago, earlier this year when the book came out. But it's going to be a great pleasure to, to uh, be with Robert and, and Jim and Bill. Well, we, we look forward uh, to, to being there tomorrow as part of the Southern Music Panel at 4 p.m. in Galloway Foundry as part of the Mississippi Book Festival. I'll be in the Galloway Foundry all afternoon, so come by and say hello. Thank you for joining us today for this peek into the 2018 Mississippi Book Festival happening tomorrow on the beautiful grounds of the Mississippi State Capitol. Next Stop Mississippi was produced by Michelle McAdoo. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Mary Margaret Miller. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women and join us next week at 10.